Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Kind of Dating, the comedy dating podcast where influential guests and I break down the dating world and try to figure out why the fuck do we all have commitment issues? Today's topic is harsh truths about dating and sex. God, you just need to hear. Let's do this. Hey, Kinda Daters. I'm Natasha Chandale. You're listening to Kinda Dating. Aisha, what's up? How's it going? Um, you had you were like up this morning. I was. Yeah, I'm doing some, some DIY in my apartment. I'm having a new person move in. So I'm and I don't have a lot of time before they do. So I'm cramming a lot of stuff in. <laughs> you like you woke up. I cannot function. <laughs> I know. It's I I'm I'm surprised. <laughs> You're Wait, an adult. what's the DIY? <laughs> So I'm redoing right now. I'm redoing the second bathroom, which would be her bathroom. So I have to change out um, the medicine cabinet because the one in there right now is garbage. I'm changing up the toilet seat. It's like a whole new situation. That's so fun. <laughs> You're like yeah, a I landlord. Do you like? Do you I like want before and afters? Okay. Do it. That. That's a good idea. <laughs> uh, I apologize if I just sound like a man or something right now. Um, we. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, I feel like, you know, when you, I went out last night, which I don't do anymore. Um, and my, my boyfriend DJs. So he, uh, was DJing last night and he does techno, which is like rave style. So they were going till they were, one of his friends was starting to DJ at four in the morning. And I was like, at two forty five. I was like, I'm dying. Can I please go? <laughs> um, oh my God. And and then woke up with this. Right. Yeah. And I like can't function anymore. My face feels my face feels puffy. My voice feels I didn't even you drink. It doesn't sound great, but I'm tired for you. Yeah. I didn't drink. I didn't I don't do drugs. This is just getting old. Oh, I don't think um, I'd be able to stay up that late without drinking or doing something. Yeah. I know. I'm trying to like drink. And I don't, so that's why I don't. <laughs> you don't drink? I have like one drink. That's yeah. But then, like you know, I'm tipsy for an hour, and then I'm like, I'm sleepy. Good to go. That's why. <laughs> and then I'm like, ready for have... bed soon. Right. <laughs> that's why you have great skin. Mm-hmm. It's the zoom is blurred, but thank it's, you. No, I'm sure. I'm sure of it's it. blurred <laughs> for all of us. Thank you, Zoom, for the effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, friends, uh, we have a very useful. And great episode for you today. You kind of heard our guest coming in there. I'm curious if you know who it is. Well, you probably do because you saw the fucking <laughs> episode title. But still, we're going to play real coy. Because um, if you like it, you can screenshot this episode, tag us, and tell us what you thought of it. Um, and remember, guys, uh, to tell your friends and uh, word of mouth is how we grow this podcast. So subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. And leave us a five-star rating or review if you haven't already. We love to read those. It really makes us feel special. Um, also, follow us on social media. We're at Kind of Dating on Instagram and TikTok. And I am at Aisha Says Dance across the board. 
And I'm at Natasha Chandale on Instagram and Facebook and Natasha.Chandale on TikTok. Okay, so navigating the dating world can be a bitch. And part of the problem is I feel like in trying to support each other's woes, we often enable each other. You know, we don't hold our friends accountable and we even perpetuate dating and sex myths. Well, it's time for some tough-ass love and it's coming by way of a guest Who knows what he's talking about? He's one of your favorites. Man, I got so many messages about you. Um, And ours. He's a certified sex therapist, a relationship expert. You guys got to watch this video or follow him on Instagram because he's also one of the best looking psychotherapists I've ever seen. God damn it. Um, Welcome back, Todd Barretts. Hi. Thank you for having me back. Oh, my God. We love you. You were so great last time. I got so many uh, DMs. and hopefully and hopefully, yeah, yeah, all great ones. We got great, great reviews. It was everybody, everybody wants a piece of Todd. Oh, I wish more <laughs> so, more, more men that I'm dating, but that's another story. Oh man, tell us. I, I mean, it, it's just hard to find somebody who's willing to show up and wants to connect, and I want to connect too. Where it's reciprocated, um, not are you, wanting a piece. Because you're you're kind of bi-coastal right now. Are you noticing the difference between different coasts and different places you live in? No. Um, now that I've been living in New York and LA, people are like, "What's the difference between New York guys and LA guys?" I'm like, literally nothing. I mean, I think maybe the difference is that more people in LA work in the entertainment industry than other industries like in New York are. There's a lot of people who work in finance and marketing and law and blah, blah, blah. Whereas LA is predominantly creative types. Um, but in terms of relational capacities or availabilities, it's the same. Everyone's the same, regardless of gender, regardless of anything. This is, I don't know, any PC way of asking this, but like, do people, because you are a really attractive, objectively attractive person. Okay. And so <laughs> like, you. do people like see you and go, nah, he must be a fuck boy and like not expect you to be somebody who wants connection and something. I mean, I'm sure you also have fun and do your shit, but I just mean like, I think, do people make that assumption? No fun at all for me. Um, I don't know what assumptions people are making because they don't tell me. I would imagine the only assumptions people make about me is one, two things. One, that I'm a sex therapist and that I'm just like a sexual machine and just want to fuck all the time, which is not true. Um, or that I don't have any sexual issues, which is not true. Um, or that I'm like some therapist that talks softly and will tell you to breathe and wants to be like some guru, which is not true either. Um, but in but terms the- of me being a fuck boy, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. But but I've gotten things when I've like talked with guys, I've definitely gotten the like, oh, I really want to explore my sexuality with you because you must know what you're talking about. And I'm like, well, that's sweet. But also like, I don't know. I'm not here to be your teacher. <laughs> yeah, I don't really want to teach you, but I will. And I do. But like from the outset, that's just like kind of a turnoff for me. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that of like, being in that world. And generally for therapists, like you probably get a lot of people that want fixing <laughs> and they're like, Hey, I can get it for free and some sex. Yeah. Well, I think people just assume that I'm a safe person, which I am. 
And like, I do enjoy showing partners new things or being shown new things by partners, but it's just usually like, sometimes when that happens right from the outside, I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah, I don't know you. Maybe I don't want to want to teach you things. It's true. It's like, true. I'm exercising. <laughs> it is. But other than that, life's grand. So, I mean, kind of what you said, like you, people might assume your brand of therapy is like, you're super soft-spoken and whatever. And again, you, like you said, you are a safe space. You're all those things, but you're also, you know, what, what I love about you and what so many of your Instagram followers love about you is that you're, you're kind of like a honest, tough love guy, you know, but in a kind way. Um, and a lot of times you're kind of telling the things like the opposite of what we're told. So is that something that you actively did or it's just like how your brain worked? Like what, what, how, what has been your approach to all this therapy stuff? Because it feels different than, than others. Um, it's a mix of different things. I mean, it's just generally who I am personally, like it's just my personality. Um, so, I mean, and people are always like, what's your like regular answer? That's your therapist answer. I'm like, I don't really have a different version of myself. Um, maybe like personally, I might say specific things that turn me off that I wouldn't want to say publicly because I don't want to hurt someone's feelings coming from like a sex therapist, you know, but beyond that, um, you know, my, I'm just very direct and blunt generally and extremely sarcastic generally, sometimes to a default. But um, so it just comes up in my work that way. I also just like, um, I'm not in love with a lot of content, a lot of advice and some of it's outdated and some of it's just dumb. And so I, you know, I'm not gonna, I don't beat around the bush, so I'm not going to be like super, well, this is wonderful, but blah, blah. no, I'm just gonna be like, I don't like this, you know, not, and, and not in a mean way, just like, a, I'm, it's not for me. Um, uh, but it's interesting though, that people experience that as tough love or something like, I don't know, maybe a touch harder than being blunt or direct. I think I'm more direct, but, but what's interesting though is like, you know, you're saying I get this tough love, like no nonsense, but it's just kind of like direct. I'm just direct. I don't know. Um, I love it. I think it's very New York. Um, but I do think people are used to, you know, therapists who coddle a little bit more. Um, and, and so it's, I think it's refreshing, um, to see your point of view and, and how you kind of flip things sometimes. That said, do you guys, do you guys, do you kind of get tired of hearing the same dating problems over and over again? No, I mean, people, my, my clients always ask me that they're like, I'm sorry, I've been talking about the same thing for years. And I'm like, I've been talking about the same thing for 25 years. With my therapist, like, this is just how we are. Um, you know, it's different expressions of a similar theme about anxiety or some overall thing related to traumas. Um, but so no, I'm not, um, I'm not sick of being asked questions. I, I, I find them interesting. And some of them more, I'll say like, that's, it's interesting. Like I did a Q and a this weekend and I said something that I don't normally say is I asked me a question and I said, but don't ask me, uh, how to have a conversation with somebody. Cause I get tons of questions like that. And that question isn't even about how to have a conversation. It's what shuts you down from having a conversation because people know how to talk. They know how to have a conversation. But when it comes to sex or something that they're afraid of being rejected by, then all of a sudden they lose their capacity or connection to the ability to speak. So those questions, I'm like, okay, this isn't about what you're asking, which actually is about many questions. But nonetheless, those are the questions that I'm like, you talk to them. <laughs> yeah, I know. I actually 
literally got that exact message yesterday from a friend who was like, so how do I do this conversation? I was like, listen, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not giving a play by play of how to have a conversation, just fucking have a conversation with yeah, someone. Yeah. What's interesting though is that people get so anxious that they like kind of lose their capacity to reason and relate. And so they're asking the question because they need a reminder, not that they don't have the information or knowledge, but they need to be reminded of that there are words they can use and kindness and laughter and they can soften it. And it doesn't have to be this scary thing that it may feel like internally. Um, but people forget that. They, they really often lose connectedness to themselves in the context of a dynamic that makes them anxious. And But yeah, it's usually the same answer every time. No, totally. So let, let me ask you the, the first official question um sure is it always like the other person that's the problem the other person no i mean it's that's how everything is framed on instagram i don't know about twitter but i know on instagram everything is framed as you know if they do this red flags green flags you know how to basically analyze someone to make sure they're a safe partner um and it's a bit exhausting because it's like you know uh, I see clients and every time for the, if they're coming to see me for a dating or relationship issue, they spend the, the first session talking about the other person. They did this, they did that, they do this. And when they do this, I don't like it because I don't understand what they're doing or thinking or feeling. And they don't tell me what they want to do. So I just don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? You know? So I, I think our best bet in terms of any relationship, whether it's dating a spouse, a parent, a friend, literally any relationship is to really just focus on our own story. I didn't like it when they did this because it made me feel this and that's connected to this part of my story. And what I want right now is X, Y, Z. Um, you know, in the better we are, can become aware of what we're thinking, feeling, wanting, et cetera, the better we can engage. And then it has to be up to the other person to focus on their own shit, you know, but most people spend so much time and they're being trained to spend so much time by the social media they consume on other people. That's just not helpful. If you want to engage with somebody, sure, have a conversation, ask them what they're thinking, feeling, but stop analyzing, stop, you know, creating a, a roadmap around your perception of how others are and create a roadmap about who you are and what you want and really feel connected to those things. And that's, that's the most important thing we can do in our relationships if we want to feel safe. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. So the, the, sorry to interrupt the, um, you, you say something which we actually did an episode on, um, which I loved, which is you were like, sometimes it's not them. It's you like you are the problem. Um, Because, mm-hmm. again, like this is what I was saying earlier in sometimes we're supporting our friends and, you know, our friends come and they're they're venting about some shit that happened. And you're kind of like, oh, bitch, I think you overreacted there. But you don't <laughs> say that. You're like, oh, I said, yeah, that. <laughs> what do you say? You're good. Um, I think I now say that to people. But, you know, when you're younger, especially, like, I remember just supporting friends and being like, oh, my God, yeah, he's what a, what a fucking twat. You know what I mean? But at now you realize, like, the only constant in your life is you. And if you keep having this, well, maybe you need to look at yourself. Yeah, I mean... It- and it's also not to say that it not, has nothing to do with the other person. It's both. But, you know, the one thing we can sort of be sure of, if anything, is ourselves, you know, in terms of what we want, what we feel, what we need, what we didn't want, whatever. Um, we can't be, we can't know someone else's uh, motivations unless they tell us. 
Um, so it is both, but stop focusing on the other person and fo- focus on yourself. Yeah. Cause I think the hard one, and you mentioned this just before was like, stop analyzing the communications, right? Like, oh my God, you must get this 10 times more than we do. But the, um, analyzing a text message, you know, should you message right away? Should you wait? How long to play this game? We just had friends over who was one guy got a message from a girl that he just went on a date with. And he was like, oh, she said this. I'm going to wait a half an hour to text her back. But he was sitting right there in front of us with nothing to do. I was like, literally said, I'm going to (laughs) wait. He was like, I'm going to wait a half hour. Oh my goodness. (laughs) But that's such a common thing, right? Is like people look at the text message. Again, I'm saying this, like I was so guilty of this. I used to analyze every like punctuation. You know, you're like, oh, he said period. Is he mad? (laughs) Um, There's an exclamation mark. Maybe he's excited. Uh, Oh my gosh, he waited three hours. I also used to, back in the wood day, especially New York days, wait like three hours to message somebody back. (laughs) Until I realized like I was just playing a power dynamic that was stupid. Yeah, I mean, these games, they're not helpful. If you're looking for an authentic connection, the word authentic is so obvious, but if you're looking for a connection with somebody, you know, you have to be and show up and speak the way you normally would. Um, also, communication is not a tennis game. It's not like one, you know, you hit it and then they hit it back. You know, sure, that would be nice. But sometimes, you know, you just keep hitting them. <laughs> and other times you stop altogether. So, uh, I mean, um, but when people are like, I'm going to wait, I'm going to do this, they're defensive strategies. And usually they don't work. Um, so, you know, if you can just push through and respond. I think that's better. What do you mean when you said authentic is overused? Oh, I mean, it's, it's used to reflect so much meaning and it's also unrealistic at times. You know, what does it even mean? You know, philosophers have been debating us for so long. What, what does it mean? Like, what is the self? What is authenticity? You know, I don't fucking know. Um, so I, I don't know. You know, be your authentic self. It just feels so manipulative. But some, I like using the word genuine or... I don't even know. It's just a catch-all word that feels like it's empty. Kind of like when people say, I want passion. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean by passion? I don't know what that means. Or like, I want to sleep with somebody. I'm like, do you want to go to bed? Do you want to fuck? Do you want to kiss? Do you want to be held? What do you, like, you know, some of these words, like I want more desire. Like, what does that mean? Like, you know, some of these things, they're just huge, small words to encapsulate such complex meaning. It's usually about specific things. So. That's a long-winded answer, but some of these words, I don't know what they mean. So you're suggesting people just need to get like real specific with whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like not not just make it like you said, desire or passion, but like what specifically within that are you looking for? Um yeah, like some people when they say passion, they might mean like deep kissing. Other people might mean like I don't know, getting pile drive. I, you know, it, it just really passion can mean so many different things. Same with authenticity. Does that mean, you know, sharing all of your feelings to everyone all at once? Does that mean, you know, you always tell the truth? I don't know what it means. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah, it can mean one thing for one person and a completely different thing for the other person. Yeah. What about this myth that if, 
if you're not happy single, you won't be happy in a relationship. I don't like it. I really don't like it. Um, I think the reality is that many of us, I mean, I'm single. And I think if I was in a relationship, my life would be different. I wouldn't say that I would be happier. Um, but it would certainly, I think, improve a lot of areas of my life. It would also bring a lot of challenge and stress and negotiation. It probably would trigger earlier stuff too. And then I'd be like, oh shit, this stuff, I thought I was done with it. And it would bring up a whole host of problems. But I think when we start saying doing this like uh, binary of you know single versus in a relationship, good, better, healthy, unhealthy, it's just, it, it's it's not realistic. No one no all no one size fits all kind of a thing here applies um so you know i think some people genuinely are in in a better place when they're in a relationship other people really just enjoy being alone i think the challenge the, the trick is to really find where you feel most comfortable and safe um as opposed to trying to anticipate how your life tomorrow is going to be better than today um, at least that's what i'm telling myself <laughs> is to just really try to stay in the present as opposed to being like Oh, if only I could just find a boyfriend and a husband, you know, I mean, it's just, it's not a pleasant way to live when you're thinking about, well, another day than today, I will be better off because I will find somebody else. Like it's not a rescue mission. Um, But it also don't want to ignore the reality that, you know, many people enjoy being in relationships. It can be fun. It can be nice when you have a family to spend the holidays with and you can go on vacation with a partner and don't have to like source out random friends or, you know, there are things that are easier for sure, I think. And then there are things that are definitely a lot more challenging. So, um, you know, it's not one or the other or either or. Yeah. I have to say as Aisha, I don't know how you feel, but, uh, somebody, I was single forever and I really got to a point where I really loved my single life. Like I loved, I didn't feel any kind of angst around holidays or any, because I had just been single so long, I accepted it. I was like, all right, this is fun. And I do my own thing and I see my cousins or whatever. And I I have my fun. Um, Now that I'm in a relationship, it, it's exactly what you said. It's not better. It's just different. And but there are some things that have improved and and there are some areas where you feel like, oh, you lost a little something like no matter how independent you are, which my boyfriend and I are very independent. But no matter how independent you are, you're still like, you know, you live together, you you need to respect each other like, hey, I'm going to I'm I'm doing this. Are you cool with that? Like or let's make a plan on a Saturday. Like there are things we have to do together, even though we are independent. That said, the positive side is like, for me, um, I used to have crippling like anxiety. So I used to hyperventilate a lot. I used to have a lot of panic attacks, like middle of the night kind of panic attacks. And I realized that in the last like couple of years that we've been together, I stopped having them. And I didn't even realize that I just stopped. And I was telling my mom and I was like, Hey, I, I don't think I've had like a panic attack. Um, and I don't think it's that, oh, you're extra happy or something, but I do think there was an element for me of, oh, there's somebody sitting, like sleeping next to me. And if something were to happen to me, hopefully they'd notice <laughs> unless they were knocked the fuck out. But, you know, like there's somebody you can tap and and I didn't realize that maybe I needed that. As somebody who was so like, oh, I'm fine alone. Um, so it's this idea of like, instead of saying something is better, I do appreciate saying like it's different. 
Hmm. And that's, I'm sorry you had, we're having panic attacks. Panic attacks are legitimately the scariest thing ever. Um, but I'm glad that you've gotten relieved. Oh my gosh, you have no idea. I had like my mom, poor thing. I have woken her up in the middle of the night because I would get them at like one, two in the morning and then not be able to breathe. And then somebody would have to talk me down. And I mean, I, over, over years, I learned to manage it myself, but sometimes it was like no reason it would happen. Like not like something triggered it. It just, my body was in that state for a long time. How do you feel about this idea of like people feeling like they have to be whole to find the right person? I mean, surprise, I think it's stupid too. Um, I, I don't know what whole means. Um, I don't know anyone who is whole. You know, I don't, I don't know what that means. I mean, I would say, you know, be emotionally stable if possible, meaning like you can wake up, you can take care of yourself, you can get to work. If you're working, you can, you know, kind of show up for yourself. Um, that's a good idea. But in terms of like killing at all, all levels or 100% healed from your past or I don't know. I think that's all just kind of crap. Um, unless you want, unless you're saying I need space, then, you know, by all means, I support you. But like, it's not a prereq for a relationship. And sometimes getting into a relationship often can help us feel whatever the fuck hole is, but whole, um, or a little bit more complete um, for a period until our partner pisses us the fuck off. And then we're like, what the fuck? I feel so incomplete. He's the wrong person. <laughs> You do not, I, when people get out of relationships, I tell them to start dating and fucking or having sex, whatever, as soon as they feel comfortable to do so, or maybe even beforehand, just because one, it's a really great way to remind yourself that you are desirable and that relationships don't only exist within your past relationship, that you can connect with somebody and it can be fun, or you can learn something new from them and never see them again, or you could reject them and that could feel empowering or whatever. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think this idea that we should be in a certain place before we are able to receive some of those things is, is really, to me, actually unhealthy and a reflection of, you know, real relational anxiety, shame, uh, and fear, you know, when we're saying I, I'm not ready for somebody to love me because I'm whatever, uh, don't have a job or because I, you know, whatever the demographics are that people use to say why they're not ready. Um, when it's in service of saying, because someone isn't going to want me, that's about anxiety, fear, shame. It's a little bit of a fool's errand too, right? That yeah. like, we're never whole. It's a journey. No. Life is a whole journey. Sorry, Aisha, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. You were about no, to say No, no, you're good. Um, I was just going to say, yeah, that is, it's so true because kind of going back to what we were saying earlier is what kind of happens when you're in a relationship is you like come against things that you wouldn't come against within yourself if you're just, you know, out here alone because you're not being challenged. So there's no need for you to really challenge yourself so that it helps with overall growth when you, you know, are able to sort of have those new experiences and those tit for tat sometimes that you need to have to really just grow as a person. Yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, that's so... That's so, so true that we learn, we can learn the most about ourselves in the context of a relationship because it will surface all of that stuff. Um, so uh, being in a relationship is a great place to work on yourself. Being single is a great place to work on yourself. Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, do you think self-love will solve all our problems? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, that's a, That's just, a unique take. I know. And I don't really understand why. I mean, I get why, um, you know, 
a lot of the current rules about relationships and love are just a reaction to decades of trauma that was minimized and denied. Um, so like uh, self-love, you know, I, I think it's become so popularized because so many people grew up in the past, however, hundreds forever, um, you know, being told by a parent, by culture, in one way or another, that they weren't lovable because of who they were, because of what they looked like, et cetera. And so, you know, I think the push for self-love is really to take back that experience or to take back our power. You know, if people want to use self-love, that's fine. But I, I think in the context of relationships and life in general, self-love is often just used to dismiss and minimize pain. Um, just love yourself more. You just need to learn how to accept yourself and love yourself. And that's a piece of the pie, but it really isn't. Um, it's a combination of self-love, relational love, um, accountability, responsibility. I mean, it's just so many different things. And I've said this before, and people are like, well, that's all can be considered self-love. I'm like, okay. So then you, you could use that word, <laughs> but like, I don't know. I like, I, I think language is really important. And so much what I was saying about authenticity and passion and all that other stuff, you know, self-love is just a reflection of so many different things. And it's important to kind of really piece apart what that means. So when people are like, love yourself more, you know, it makes me want to throw myself out the window because I'm like, I love myself. Like, I don't, you know, please don't say that to me. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a way to minimize what I'm expressing or not doing or doing. And, and I, I just, I don't like that. Yeah, because I do think now uh, there are a lot of words that are getting hijacked and and self-love is something that we have all said. And I, I think that there's some value in it if it is uh, applied appropriately. But I, I appreciate that you always talk also about relational love because I was reading a study, like it's not just about our relationship with self, like our relationship with others does actually matter. And uh, and I think the pandemic really kind of proved that, that the the inability to have that social interaction can really fuck people up. Um, there was a study recently, I can't quote it because I was just reading an article about it, but um, it was a long-term study and it said, uh, what uh, there's one factor that contributes to 80% of your happiness. And it they were like, it's not your money. It's not um, stability or something. It was the quality of your relationships. I think self-love matters in the way you describe it, which is knowing what you want. And sometimes you need to look inward and, and give yourself that time and love and care to figure it out. But that's in the that's the kind of context of self-love I think that's actually really important in a dating world. But you're saying it's being hidden under this like random term of like, just go take yourself to a spa. Yeah, I mean, but you bring up a really important point, which is we're social creatures. We're social organisms. We've evolved not because of our ability to love ourselves, but our ability to form communities, collaborate and have connection. I'm not even necessarily talking about love. I'm just saying, you know, we live in communities and cities and um, this is how we evolve. So self-love is not going, you can't love yourself in isolation. You can't stay home and journal yourself to uh, affirmation in the mirror and day after, you know, you, you have to be out and about having a dynamic interaction between our, your environment and your internal world. Um, this is how we all fundamentally develop. You know, if someone is is born and thrown in a closet, I mean, it's terrible, thrown in a closet, but you know, they're not going to develop. And it's the same thing with adults too. We, we cannot develop in isolation the same way we can with others. And so, um, 
you know, oftentimes self-love doesn't come from these affirmations or journaling or whatever, but it comes from interacting with our environment and the people in it that we care about. And yes, getting the validation from them and connection with them and seeing that we're liked and, and so on and so on. So relational love is actually more of a, a, a more of a reflection of what people need. And so over, over self-love, I think. Yeah, it's a, uh, I have a weird story, but my dad, um, he's like a Indian astrologer. So he's like a Vedic astrologer, cool. but he's basically kind of like an Indian priest. And, you know, growing up, we grew up very, um, he taught us a lot about Hinduism, but also like a lot about spirituality and stuff. And his big thing and our biggest fight with him was he's a very kind of closed off private-ish type of guy. And his whole thing was, you guys are fucking me up. I just want to go into a cave and, you know, live by myself like a sage. And we're like, that, of course, it's easy to get enlightenment when you're just not interacting with anybody ever. But that's also not life and you're not actually being challenged because real enlightenment is having these challenges and then learning to overcome them in a positive way. And that's like, so I, I was very against um, this idea of like limiting your social interactions just to evolve. And I think again, like this pandemic and stuff proves it. And all of these studies that your relational interactions really matter long-term for you. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, not to go on and on about it, but you know, I think it's also a way for people to feel like I was saying before, but more powerful to feel like they have control over their environment or their life. Um, you know, but as with many things, we really, really greatly underestimate the role our environment plays um, and who we are and how we are and how we think and our perspective and our values um, and how we identify in, in every way. I mean, we, we cannot separate ourselves from other people or the environment, even when we're masturbating alone, you know, we're still being impacted by the social and political climate that we live in and the rules that we learned growing up and everything. So, you know, it, it, it isn't just a black or white, uh, black or white thing. I mean, I think we really have to start focusing more on the context of our lives and how that shapes who we are and how we love versus, you know, this fundamental thing called self-love or anything else. Now you are a sex therapist. That's one of your specialties. So we do have to ask that because this is what people love to know about. Like what are some harsh sex truths that people need to know about? Like you kind of touched on one in the beginning for yourself, which was like, oh, because I'm a sex therapist doesn't mean I want to have sex all the time. You got any? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there's just so many. I mean, nobody gets any information about sex until the lived for like decades sometimes. And that's decades of having to now unlearn it and challenge beliefs. It's really hard. Um, so there's just, there's so many things. Um, but what I think a good place to start is thinking about sex as more relational than biological and more cultural than biological. Because people often assume they have bodies and the bodies should just function and, you know, receive or give or take penetration or be hard or be wet or orgasm or do these things. And if they don't, we often assume that it's a reflection of our biology or physiology, whatever. 
but sex is super relational, even if it's with a stranger. Um, it's uh, hugely emotional. Again, it doesn't matter if it's in a long-term relationship. Uh, and it's hugely psychological. And in fact, it's the relational, emotional, and psychological parts of sex that make it so erotic and ar arousing and pleasurable. It isn't just, you know, it being um, a dick or a clit or a naps. Um, you know, for sure, for some people, you know, they see a clit, they see a dick, I get excited, sure. But um, the even that is a relational dynamic. So not that sassy of a truth, but um, a really important one um, that people often overlook because most of the time we learn about sex as being something related to aesthetic, something related to function. Um, but sex is anything. Um, is so much more beyond function or aesthetic. Um, and that's what makes sex so exciting and pleasurable is because it's just this huge sensor, sensory experience that's really mediated by who our partner is or isn't. Yeah, I love that. And also for women, you know, there's so many, oh, the books, the books, right? Um, think like a man and <laughs> stuff like that about, wait, which one are you saying, Aish? I was just saying magazines, you know. Yeah, that talk. All, like every time, it's always 39, da 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 to blah, 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 you know. 39 ways to have sex, yeah. hotter sex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. I mean, the, the like top 10 positions to whatever, show him that you're this or to have better orgasms or whatever they send me. Same with the like, use, you know, this strawberry, pineapple, pina colada, blue. Um, you know, it's like, if you want to do those things, you know, I, I more power to you, but also good sex doesn't come from being in a headstand or doing some Olympic activity. Um, you know, it, it comes from feeling comfortable in your body comes from talking to your partner and telling them what you want. It comes from exploring and feeling uninhibited. You know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't have to do with physicians or squirting or coming buckets. You know, it literally has nothing to do with that. I also just wish that people would talk honestly about how awkward some sex can be. And especially some of these sexual positions can be like everybody that like, you know, of course, when you look at it in a Cosmo uh, article, it looks so easy. He's just picked her up from her back legs and she's just on, you know, planking on her fucking hands. And then when you actually do that in real life, you're like, wait a minute. This is, you're like, workout. It's fucking hard. I mean, it's I'm also unnecessary. Yeah. I'm five foot two and a half. My boyfriend's like six feet, whatever. And there's a lot of awkwardness just based off our height. You were always like having to adjust. I've had to like literally stand on like a step stool to, <laughs> to get to the right position to be able to do anything. So like, I always feel like um, porn and stuff makes it look so easy. And I'm like, listen, man, they cast two people who are the exact same height <laughs> for all this shit to work in real life. I always say it's portions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, being small has certain benefits and in other times it's really awkward. Uh, one thing, Todd, I, I want to talk to you about, because I think a lot of women would be, have, have wondered this, which is the wait time to have sex. Um, you know, we've had past guests come on who have said, you should wait three months, 90 days, you know, that whole thing, um, that the sooner you, you give it up. Time, and I was like, who told somebody to wait 90 oh. days? Mm. I think I remember this. It's all coming back to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Somebody did. We got a lot of bad reviews for it. I was like, it's not my fault. <laughs> um, I mean, I've heard, I mean, I've, I've, I've heard that. I mean, I've heard so many things and, uh, you know. I mean, women are just constantly taught that like men 
are judging us based on when we have sex. Um, do you well, think people should wait? don't see those people who are judging you. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, there's no rule. And in fact, studies have shown that people who have sex right away and can form a positive sexual connection do better than people who wait long periods of time, don't have a sexual connection, feel stuck and confused about, you know, how do I start having a conversation with someone that I've not even had sex with in, in seven months, you know? So if anything, you really want to start exploring sex right away. I'm not saying you have to do it in the first day. I'm saying you have to do anything other than what makes you feel most comfortable. Also, keep in mind that sex doesn't have to be, you know, a five-hour fuck fest. It can be making out and just like humping around with your clothes on, you know, but you do want to start exploring touch and you do want to start exploring each other's bodies and you do want to start talking about it right away. But there is no actual good or bad or healthy or unhealthy way to pursue. And if you are going to be with somebody who's going to judge you for that, as I said, fuck them, that's toxic. And if they're going to judge you for how quickly you have sex, they're going to judge you for a lot more and they're going to be controlling and they're just going to be really awful people to be with. So, you know, if that's the fear and you're thinking that's what they're going to do, run the fuck away from them um, because they're not a safe partner. And if people are judging you based on your sexuality, your preferences, your kinks, your whatever, again, Run the fuck away from them because it's judgmental and it's pretty toxic to shame somebody for their sexuality. It's kind of like, you know, would you shame somebody for what they're eating? No, it's no different. Um, and so, you know, when someone does that, they're defining themselves. They're saying, I'm not a safe person. Um, and so you have to understand that makes you feel badly and that you're going to seek someone else that won't be such a judgmental jerk. Tell them, Todd. <laughs> Tell them. Um, I love that answer. Uh, here's one. How do you, okay. So we often talk about the people who are, who are single, but if you're in a relationship and you're seeing each other all the time, how do you still like work to keep it spicy? Because that's something you have, you, you always say in a lot of your stuff that like all this stuff takes work. Like people who say it doesn't are fucking lying to you. So, so how do you do that when like, People are working remotely. They live together. There's like, you're around each other all the time. Like my boyfriend and I see each other all the time. I'm like, what the fuck? How do you have, how are you spontaneous now when I see you all the time? I can't even set, set up a, a sexy night because he's right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think romanticism and spontaneity are not sustainable things in any kind of relationship and especially with sex. As you're saying, you live together. Some people have kids, some people don't. Some people work crazy hours. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes someone's annoying and leaves all the cabinets, doors open and their underwear on the floor in the bathroom. You know, I mean, shit happens. Um, so being able to rely upon this spontaneous urge or passion, whatever that means, or, um, you know, spicing it up is really just not going to work. Um, if, you know, I think some, what we have to think about is Sometimes sex can feel so defined by our partner, our sexuality, our sexuality can feel defined by our partner, right? And so sometimes it's really helpful to reconnect with our own sexuality as opposed to waiting for our partner or our relationship to provide us with, you know, this mind-blowing, satisfying sex that we're now being told we should be having, which is so oppressive. Um, but, um, you know, uh, most people, not to generalize, but they, even if they do have a good sexual connection, the amount of communication they've had about sex, I think is minimal um, and kind of not, it's inconsistent, it's minimal. Sometimes it's during sex and it's forgotten. 
um, because it's during sex. <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't think couples necessarily need to spice it up. Um, I do think though that each individual in the couple might try to reconnect better with their own sexuality and then try to reconnect with their partner around that better connection. For instance, like masturbation, many people are not masturbating with their partners. They're expecting partnered sex to be about fucking, um, and in a certain room in the house at a certain time in a certain routine, that's definitely going to make things boring. You know, there's not enough time to always fuck. There's not enough time to, you know, do it in the same way every time. Um, but if you can reconnect with your own body and your eroticism and things that turn you on and you masturbating together can be a really great way to have shared pleasure, um, and get off and to do it together. Um, that, you know, we actually don't need to have this like mind blowing, crazy, chaotic sex all the time. Um, sometimes just like being next to each other and talking dirty while we're masturbating is fucking fine enough. Um, it can feel good. It can be hot, but it can only feel good. And it can only be hot if you're able to find those words or do the things that really turn you on, but specific sexual acts and relying upon, you know, just it being penetration with some ahs and oohs and grunts is, you know, it's going to get boring quickly. So what's missing from a lot of relationships is this relationship that each individual has with their own erotic world and their ability to communicate and take um, pleasure from their partner. And I don't mean in a, you know, a toxic way of taking in a non-consensual way, but I mean, in terms of saying, I want you to, um, do this to me while I'm masturbating. I want to be in this position, come to the bathroom, you know, a really kind of commanding and doing so in a powerful place, as opposed to, you know, being quiet, being withdrawn, maybe giving a little bit of a direction. Um, you know, that's a place of timidity and fear versus I like it when you do this, will you do this? I want to do it like that. Can we do it now? Or I'm going to go in the bedroom, the door is open, I'm masturbating, come if you want. Um, you know, that some of those things can be really hot as opposed to thinking that, you know, you need to just like fuck against the wall in the kitchen because it's just, you can't keep your hands off each other. It's not realistic. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> Definitely love that. Um, Aisha, is there a listener question? Yeah, we do actually. We have a listener question from an anonymous source. Uh, and it's about us. I know, right? Uh, she says that vulnerability is more than self disclosure. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, this is something I didn't realize for a while, but I think people, when they think about vulnerability or even authenticity, those words like that, they think, you know, sharing your deepest, darkest secrets, you know, this is my trauma. And that's, you know, it could be, and it can be, and often is, but vulnerability, I think of vulnerability in a relational context as something opening ourselves up to feeling something with somebody. So, you know, something silly, like just laughing spontaneously with somebody. It's a vulnerable thing to do. Similarly, with just like crying with somebody or sharing something deep and actually being emotionally present while you're doing so. So, you know, self-disclosure, I could tell you something right now about my trauma and it wouldn't really be vulnerable of me because I'm not like, I'm just giving you information, right? Um, you know, maybe if I did and it was coming from this like very real heartfelt place, you know, we could think that as vulnerability. One of my examples that I give myself often is like, um, liking is, is feeling a connection with somebody like liking them, feeling excited about them. That's vulnerable. Um, and that can be hard to feel sometimes if we aren't, um, if we don't feel safe enough to open ourselves up to that. So I think of vulnerability is really sharing an emotional experience, mm -hmm. like feeling something, any kind of emotion. And do you, you find about, that, oh, sorry, sorry go ahead, Aisha. Question about what you just said, like when you're like, oh, you feel like you like somebody, or is it then going in and, and like expressing that to that person? Is that like part of the... Both. 
that can be vulnerable, but I think it just, it can be vulnerable in itself to open yourself up to feeling something for somebody. Do you find that guys tend to have a harder time with that? The um, like vulnerability part? Well, like, I don't really? date women. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, I mean, I th- look, I think stereotypically people would say yes. Um, but I see all genders, all identities, and everyone struggles to be vulnerable. Um, so much of our world, unfortunately, is broken down into this binary, and we all grew up with it. Um, but the reality is, is that sex, relationships, emotions, they're not gender specific, they're human specific. And, um, you know, sometimes these stereotypes can be true. And that's because we live in a culture that made them true. But that doesn't mean that they are true. Um, there are many men that are extremely vulnerable and many women that really struggle with vulnerability. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. I don't want to say yes, men, no men, you know. I think everyone struggles right now because we live in a culture that says it's not safe to be vulnerable. I mean, let's face it, no one cares. We have horrible health insurance. People, there's so much income inequality. I mean, we live in a terrible time. We have for decades. So like no one's saying, oh, how do you feel? Let's give you help. No, we don't care. People don't care. So it's really hard for everyone to feel comfortable and safe to be vulnerable. Um, It's just, it's really hard. It's true. I actually was mentioning this to a friend recently where like Instagram culture also, right, makes it that everything it, it looks great. So now, I don't know, I've personally, and, and as somebody who's pretty open, have struggled to be like, well, sometimes it's not great. And I don't even know who to turn to sometimes because we're kind of in this culture where everybody just likes to feel good and everybody's in like, let's celebrate mode. I don't know. Like, I just feel like everybody wants to like, just talk about the good shit. And I don't know if you have noticed this in kind of being in LA, but you know, in the creative business, everybody likes a winner all the time. But sometimes you don't fucking feel like you're winning. Even maybe you are, but you feel like whatever. And I feel like this uh, Instagram generation has just made it harder for people to really be vulnerable. Unless you're on Twitter. Twitter, it's like everybody's way too vulnerable. Like people are just very sad. Like so sad. (laughs) It's like a balance. Twitter makes me depressed. Instagram also makes me depressed in a different way. (laughs) I don't go on Twitter. I tried and I was like, I don't understand it. I want to do this. Um, but yeah, I mean, social media, TV, film, colleges, university systems, political system, um, the Republican Party, (laughs) um, uh, and the, I mean, everybody, you know, is, is portraying this curated, um, and they're not acknowledging challenges that people face. Um, as we wrap out, I want to ask you, uh, one question that has always annoyed me. So I appreciated your answer on Instagram about this, but um, there's this concept um, or theory that when you meet the right person, you'll just know. And with the right person, you won't have to work. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's another stupid thing. Everything, you're not going to know anything. You're going to have to work. Uh, And if you do know something, it's going to disappear tomorrow. I mean, nothing's permanent. The only thing that's permanent is impermanence. Um, uh, There's no such thing as the one, first of all. Um, But all relationships take a lot of work. They do. And um, 
sometimes, especially now, the culture around love and dating is really hard to live up to. And we've all internalized it and it's become part of how we see other people. And because of that, we're constantly evaluating ourselves, our partners, our relationships, the sex we're having, the sex we're not having, you know, all this stuff. And that creates anxiety and that creates spiraling and obsessing. Um, and um, I mean, it's just stupid, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just stupid. I mean, I think get into a relationship. If you don't like it, you can end it. Um, people are like, oh, I don't want to go through that. And it's like, okay, well then be single and wait for some idealistic unicorn that's never going to come. And then you're going to finally meet somebody and you're going to say, you know, I either A, I waited too long, it was stupid, or two, this person isn't who I thought they were going to be because they're not. We meet somebody, they change over time. We change every day. You know, it's it's ongoing. So I, you know, don't wait, get into relationships. There's no such thing as the one, but do work on your relationships. I mean, if you, and if you're not, working on your relationship, then you're taking it for granted and you're headed for disaster. Even if you're hundred percent satisfied, you should still be working on it to some extent and chances are you are. Um, so yeah, put a lot of work into your relationship. Yeah. I get asked this all the time. So is, is he the one? And I literally laugh every time I'm like, he's the one right now. I said, I don't know what'll happen tomorrow. I don't know if he cheats on me tomorrow. No, he's not the one. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, Like I can't envision a future, like any, I don't know. I I don't know what the fuck I want for the rest of my life. That's not saying I don't want to commit to somebody. It's just saying realistically, I, in the moment could be deeply madly in love and hypnotic spell. And, you know, I don't know if that's going to last you know, who knows? Um, and also so- like what, how many of us, we've all had breakups, right? And every time most of us have been in a relationship, we were well-intentioned thinking that hopefully was going to be it. And then it's not. And so at, after a few of those, you start realizing like, all right, I have no fucking idea what's going to happen. So I don't know if this person's the one right now. I, it's working right now. Like, but it's so hard. Like, I don't know. I find myself too, you know, I'm dating and I'm like, ugh, I just want to meet somebody and I want to be done, you know? <laughs> but I'm like, that's not really how it works, man. Um, Because I know um, that as much as I'd like to just find somebody and be with them forever, you know, that may not happen. So it's not the barometer I use to evaluate my relationships. It sucks. I think we all kind of want to, don't have, don't want to deal with that maybe, but uh, the reality is, which is where we want to live is reality, is that, you know, we don't know what's happening tomorrow. So it's best to stay in the present moment. If you're happy in the present moment, that's great. That's all you need. That's really it. Yeah. And I've also also always gotten annoyed with the like, when you know, you know, I'm just like, <laughs> no, you don't know the future at all about anybody. It should, to me, it's this idea that someone has shown up for you day after day, the way that you want knowing is really like a summation of events in my mind, you know, like it's, you'll know at the end that, that, that was the right person, (laughs) but (laughs) anticipating the future is just like, I'm like, wait, are you, do you have some secret power that, that we should all know about? Cause please tell me. Yeah. Cause I feel like I have no idea what will happen, but right now somebody's showing up for me. So it's working. People are dumb. Are they, Don? <laughs> I mean, I think we are all pretty, we don't know a lot. Um, and, I, I, you know, we're all kind of dumb and flawed and anxious and scared little kids and whatever. And that's 100% fine. I hate, you know, it's really scary when people say, I know everything, you know, and they act like they know everything and they're not open to think, you know, be open to learning new things. Be open to not knowing. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you um, setting us all straight, mm-hmm. <laughs> reminding us of uh, uh, to just be a little bit more, um, not like practical about stuff, but uh, but a little bit more, I think, you know, and, and not get caught up in all these like trendy concepts without um, really digging deep into them. So thank you for that. Yeah. Anytime. Um, you're not totally done. You you did your six questions last time, but life has changed since then, Todd. So uh, do you remember that we used to do a segment called Six Questions? I remember them, but I don't remember what they were. That's perfect. I remember um, struggling. It's like a little rapid fire. It's uh, six questions we ask every guest. Don't think about it too much is whatever comes to your mind. Todd Barrett, you ready for six questions? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what is the first thing you notice about a potential partner? If they respond to my text message. Nice. Right away or like in a bit or just at all? If they're responsive and engaged. Nice. This is all virtual. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what is one deal breaker? If they haven't been to therapy or do some kind of self-work or do reflect or self, you know, do something, read a book. Yes. What turns you on? Mm, confidence, humor. I'm a leg person, which is so random, but I like legs. <laughs> um, like a specific type of leg, like, like built legs, skinny legs. What do you like? Just like a nicely shaped leg. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but I like confidence a lot. I think it's really hot. What are one of your strengths and one of your weaknesses in relationships? Strengths. Um, I've been in a very long-term relationship. I've been in therapy forever, so I'm I'm really relationally skilled, I have to say myself. Um, one of my weaknesses, I have no, um, I have many. I'm, I don't know what comes to mind. First, I just, the other thing I keep thinking is trauma. <laughs> um, yeah how that comes up. I, that's what I'm kind of interested about in the future. So I'm like, who am I going to become in my next relationship? Well, I have, I think I've worked through a lot, but what's going to be my struggle? I don't know. I haven't been in one while. In my past relationship, it was doing all the things that I'm telling you not to do today. <laughs> um, you know, putting all this pressure on my partner, having all these unrealistic expectations, not taking responsibility for my own shit, blaming him for everything. Um, and not to say he wasn't doing things. He was doing plenty, but um, yeah. I don't think I would do that again. I mean, I've learned as somebody who's also had a lot of trauma in life that like those things will be there, but hopefully you just get a little better at communicating when it's happening. I think yes. um, that, I mean, I've had triggers while I've been in this relationship and uh, thought that it was, I was totally over it, clearly wasn't, um, and mm-hmm. had to... But luckily I felt like, oh, now I have the tools that even when I reacted, I didn't react that long. And I caught myself, I stopped, excused myself from the situation, then came back and I was like, oh, this is what's bothering me. And could like talk it out. But I mean, but it's still there, you know, the trigger Mm. is still there. And so I've just acknowledged that that won't go away, but at least now I can like share it instead of being fully reactive and blowing some shit up. That's awesome. Um, Todd, what is love? 
It won't even end. I don't know. Showing up consistently. Yeah. I don't know. I hear that. That's just kind of, it's kind of all I want right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need a fairy tale. Just show up, please. Yeah. Uh, besides I love you, what three words would you want your partner to tell you? Um, I want you. I'm impressed by you. I'm proud of you. Okay, that was a lot of three word combos, but we'll take it. Three combos. <laughs> oh, I was doing three three word. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Wait, say them again now. I was like, what were they? I want you. I'm impressed by you and I'm proud of you. Nice. All right. Well, we're proud of you. We're impressed by you. And I Thanks. think the first one already, but <laughs> you don't want me. No. I mean, I want you on this podcast and as a friend. <laughs> Which is enough. Yes. yes. <laughs> More than enough. Um, thank you so much, Todd, for being on the show. How can everyone find you and all your amazing work and thoughts? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at your diagnostics or my website, which is my name, toddasparrots.com. Guys, all of this will be in the show notes of this episode. So make sure you follow Todd. You will not be disappointed. Um, and follow us. We're also on social media. We're at Kind of Dating across the board. And I am at Aisha's Dance across the board. I'm at Natasha Chandale on Instagram and Facebook, Natasha.Chandale on TikTok. Thank you guys for downloading this episode. If you like something you heard, remember, screenshot the episode and tag us on social media. Tag Todd. He loves this stuff. Um, <laughs> finally, I know it seems tough out there, but just try. Till next time. Kind of Dating is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Kind of Dating is created, produced, and hosted by myself, Natasha Chandel. Aisha Holden is my co-host. Adam Pineless and Karina Uribe are producers. Our opening music is composed by Joe Lorenzetti, and our logo and graphics are by Jenna Yannick and K. Daniel Ellis.